0: You can turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Mike mentioned, I wasn't planning on preaching this weekend, but on Christmas Day I got a text from Blake. It said, Merry Christmas. I'm sick. Can you fill in for me? So I did Southwood this morning and now I'm here and uh, he'll get to pay me back next week. And I'll take the weekend off. Uh, that wasn't the only gift that I got. We, our family got a lot of really wonderful gifts at Christmas. And, um, you know, there are always gifts that rise to the Top, you You notice know, that certain gifts? You're like, oh yeah, man, that's perfect. Just what I wanted. Excellent gift. My daughter got a gift that she really loved. She got a new uh, fishing pole for Christmas. And when you get a fishing pole, what do you want to do with a fishing pole? You got to go fish, right? So she wanted to open up. We opened it up and my parents live uh, on a small lake. And, um, you know, we got her all geared up and I tried to get her ready because it's cold out. I'm thinking, you know, fish are probably not going to be moving. They're not going to be biting. We went down to the lake. She dropped her line in. And two minutes later, she caught a three-pound catfish. And that was the only fish we caught all day long, which is a perfect gift, right? So on the way home, we're driving home from my parents' house, and she said, I want you to tell that story, Daddy. And she meant, tell it to you. Tell that story to you. And now we, got, we had to figure out as a family, so what exactly does this illustrate? So we had a long discussion about what is the illustration that we can draw from this story, and here's what we came up with. When you use a gift for its proper purpose, there are wonderful results. Right? When you receive a gift and you use it according to its appropriate or proper purpose, there are wonderful results. This morning, we're going to look at the life of another young woman, the life of Mary. And what we're going to see is that Mary received an incredible gift. She had the gift of time with Jesus. And she made the most of it. She used it appropriately. We're going to look at a few scenes from Mary's life. And as we read through these, I want you to be listening. And I want you to see if you can uh, discern what is the common thread in all of these stories. We're going to begin in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Luke 10 verse 38. Now as they were traveling along, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to do all the serving? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now turn with me to John chapter 11, verse 30. John chapter 11, verse 30. Lazarus has died. Jesus did not come immediately. So Lazarus is in the grave. And as Jesus is approaching Bethany, he meets Martha. he meets Martha and and he talks to Martha and then later he talks to Mary. Chapter 11, verse 30. It says, now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but he was still in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now turn with me to John chapter 12 and verse 1. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there. And Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one who was reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? Now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he, ha- he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. Therefore Jesus said, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you have al- always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Now one more passage in Matthew chapter 28, verse one. Matthew 28, verse one. Now after the Sabbath... As it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear because of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, "'Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here.'" For he has risen just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. What's the common thread? In all of those stories, where do you see Mary? Every time she's at the feet of Jesus. Whenever Mary has an opportunity, she's at the feet of Jesus, she's listening to Jesus, she's giving Jesus her absolute and undivided attention. Primary lesson that I draw from Mary's life is this focusing on Jesus is a lifestyle. Every time you see Mary involved in the gospel in a major way, she is doing one thing, and that is she is paying attention to Jesus. I want you to turn back just two chapters in Matthew to chapter 26 and verse 1. When Jesus had finished all these words, he said to his disciples, and we're confident that Mary was probably present because she traveled with them. You know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man is to be handed over for crucifixion. He tells them. Had he told them that before? Yeah. He had told his disciples many times, over and over, I'm going to be crucified. Then three days later I'll rise from the dead. Did his disciples ever get it? Never. They never got it. You know, sometimes they absolutely rejected the idea. Other times it completely missed them and they said, yeah, you're going to be crucified. Now, who's going to be the greatest among us? Right? They never got the point. However, Matthew chapter 26, right after he says this, Matthew records his story of Mary anointing Jesus' feet. She anoints his feet, and then you'll notice toward the end of Matthew's account, verse 10 of chapter 26, Mary's been scolded because she poured out the perfume on his head and on his feet. It says, Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you, But you do not always have me. For when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Do you see what happened? Only one person listened to Jesus, and it was Mary. When Jesus said, I'm going to be crucified, none of the disciples... Got his point. But because Mary was so attentive to the voice of Jesus, she knew that he was actually going to follow through with his word and he was going to be crucified soon, which means he would have to be buried. And so she bought this oil so that she could anoint him with oil. Only Mary was attentive to the word of Jesus Christ. The result was Mary understood things that everybody else missed. Now this year I'm confident that Jesus Christ would like to speak to each and every one of us. Will we be like the disciples or will we be like Mary? Will Jesus speak to us and we are so busy with so many other things that we completely miss his point. Or we've got our own agenda about who's going to be the greatest. How we're going to make our mark in the world and we miss the voice of Jesus. Or will we be like Mary and we give Jesus our undivided attention? undistracted, and we listen to the voice of Jesus, if we do, then we will hear and understand things that others will miss. We will understand more of who God is and what he's doing in the world and in our lives. We'll understand ourselves better. We'll see the movement of God around us. We will be attentive and attuned to what God is doing because we've listened to the voice of Jesus. And that's a lifestyle. That's the first lesson that I draw from Mary's life. Second lesson is this, focusing on Jesus is most important. I want you to turn with me again back to Luke chapter 10 and verse 40. Luke 10 verse 40. It says, Martha was distracted with all her preparations. Literally, Martha was distracted with much service. And she came up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Uh, preparing a meal is not a bad thing. Probably most of you were involved in that just a few days ago. Everybody needs to eat at some point. Jesus would need to eat, the disciples would need to eat. Martha and Mary and Lazarus, everyone would need to eat. It was a necessary thing, but at that moment, there was an opportunity for Mary and Martha and Lazarus and the disciples to be with Jesus. And so Mary put that first. It wasn't that preparing the meal was a bad thing, it just wasn't the best thing. And as Christians, that's often what happens in our lives. There are all kinds of good things. Serving the Lord Serving our families, doing our jobs as under the Lord. All these things are good things, but the most important thing is being with Jesus. And then when we put that in place, we order all of life around it. Hope you noticed when we read the account in Matthew chapter 26, that uh, Jesus is protecting Mary as she's being scolded by the disciples. And he says to the disciples, listen, you always have the poor with you. But you've only got me for another moment. Is it a bad thing to serve the poor and to give to the poor? No, it's not a bad thing. It's a very, very good thing. Jesus exhorted his disciples on many occasions to pay attention especially to those who were poor. But at that moment in time, that was first and foremost. It was an opportunity to be with Jesus. Have any of you ever read um, five languages of love? Read that marriage book? Okay. If you're married or if you would like to get married someday, it's a great book. Uh, my wife and I discovered that book after we'd been married a couple years. And, you know, it was new things we learned about each other and how we receive and give love. It was very good. And we, we understood the ways that we like to receive love and the ways that aren't quite as important to us. And uh, when we were first married, acts of service was just not a, a real important love language for us. Now, as We've entered into different stages in life. Love languages change. Now, uh, with, with smaller children, in particular, when our kids were really little, firstborn, acts of service kind of got bumped up to the top of the list. You know, if my wife walked in the kitchen and the dishes were already done, wow, huge investment of love. One of the things we learned, though, was that no matter what stage in life we were in, uh, with the kids or uh, jobs or whatever, everything else that's going around, that there's no substitute for quality time. There was no substitute for just being together. And in a sense, even now, uh, having kids in the house, that's even higher for us. So when the kids fall asleep and we can actually finish sentences, it's an incredible investment of love. Listening to one another and allowing one another to actually speak a complete sentence. Quality time. You know, that really is in a sense, the essence of what worship is about. Worship is not just coming on a Sunday morning and singing songs and then leaving. Worship is about putting Jesus first in our lives and then ordering everything else around Jesus Christ and giving time to be with him. And when we're with him, having undistracted, devoted attention to Jesus Christ, that's really the essence and the heart of worship. Not an activity on Sunday morning. And I think that's the second lesson we learn from Mary: is she puts Jesus first. Third lesson that we see in Mary's life is that focusing on Jesus requires courage. Want you to look with me in John chapter twelve and verse three. John twelve three says Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. In our home, we have a a newly self-christened perfumed wearer. And um, I've never lived through the process of somebody learning to wear perfume. Um, A few lessons that I've learned is that a little goes a long way. And um, if you overdo, you might have to seal off a room or the house or everybody may need to go outside for a while. You know, you just need a little bit. Now, Mary breaks the bottle. What Mary has just done is unavoidable. It's unavoidable. Remember the setting here. We're six days before Passover. six, six, seven days before Jesus is to be crucified. He has come from Galilee in the north and he's told his disciples all along the way, the reason we're going down to Jerusalem is I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be crucified and then I'm going to rise from the dead. That's why we're going. So they're marching down to Jerusalem. They get to Jerusalem, they take a short walk over, it's about two miles, over to Bethany. That's the hometown of um, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It's also the hometown of a man named Simon. Simon was a leper. He's not a leper anymore, but everybody still calls him Simon the leper, because as long as they can remember, he was a leper. And then Jesus came to town and healed him. And he didn't have leprosy any longer. And Lazarus is here, and just a few days earlier, he was dead, And he was in the grave, and remember, we're talking small town, so everybody knew Lazarus was dead. Probably everyone attended the funeral, and they saw his body put into the grave, and now here he is eating a meal, and sitting next to him is the man who called him out of the grave. And so there is a buzz in this town. And people want to see Simon who got healed from leprosy. They want to see Lazarus who was raised from the dead. They want to see Jesus who did all this. And they're crowding in to see what happened. The town is gathered around. They've heard Jesus is there. And some have actually pushed into the room. And some are standing at the door. There's a crowd outside. Some are falling in the window. It's not like in our culture. You know, somebody shows up for Thanksgiving dinner at our house and we call the cops. if We didn't invite them, right? No, it's not like that. Everybody comes. The whole town is there, invited or uninvited, and they're pushing their way in, and then they hear glass break. You ever been in a a restaurant that's a really, really noisy restaurant, but if glass breaks, it's so piercing, everything stops for a second, doesn't it? All conversation goes, and everybody looks. So everything stops, and everyone looks at this young woman, and then, whoa. They're overwhelmed by the smell of an entire bottle of perfume that's been broken and she's pouring it and they're all staring at this young woman. And remember, women were not at the top of the social ladder. And here it is, a single woman who's down on her hands and feet. Remember when they had a meal, it was a low table. And so Jesus is resting on a pillow with one elbow and his feet are out like this. And she's there at his feet. She's reached up. She's poured some of the, this oil onto his head. She's pouring the rest onto his feet. And she's, she's down on her hands and knees and she's let down her hair. That's not appropriate either. A single woman letting down her hair in public, a single woman reaching out and touching a single man. He's a rabbi letting down her hair and wiping his feet with her hair. Whoa! And everyone is silent and staring and evaluating. And everyone comes to the wrong conclusion. Every person in the room says to themselves, or in Judas's case, out loud, how totally inappropriate. It's unseemly. It's a waste. What a foolish, foolish girl Only Jesus understands it's not waste, it's worship. Do you see how courageous she was? That it required incredible courage to give out of this act of love to Jesus. And if you decide in your own life, that you will put Jesus at the very center of your life and then you're going to order all of life around Jesus, you will probably stand alone. Maybe in your neighborhood or job or with friends, possibly even within your own home and your own family, if you put Jesus in the center of your life, you may stand alone. Because this is completely contrary, not just to culture, but to all of human flesh, to put Jesus at the center of life. It requires incredible courage and there will always be a pressure to conform to the world's value system, which says put self at the center and order everything else around it. And it's okay if you're a Christian, but don't get too serious about that. That's a hobby. No, it's life. It requires incredible courage. Fourth lesson that we learn from Mary is that focusing on Jesus is costly, Wanna look with me in Mark, chapter fourteen, and verse three. While Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume of pure nard. She broke the vial and poured it over his head. But some were indignantly remarking to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor, and they were scolding her. A couple of observations from this account. Uh, the first is that it's a, a vial of uh, nard, pure nard. It's a, um, an oil, an aromatic oil. that's derived from a plant from East India. It's not native to Palestine. So it's very expensive to own some of this. Uh, It was very concentrated, so you could own a little bit and store it in a very small vial. Um, People used it as an investment. You could purchase gold or silver, or you could purchase this Pyrinard. You could store it easily. You could hide it. You could take it into the market. You could trade with it, pour out a drop or two, an ounce or two, and use it uh, as currency. It was extremely valuable. If an honored guest came into your home and you owned some of this, you might put a drop or two onto that person's head. Jesus comes in the room and Mary puts the whole bottle, which is worth, we're told, over 300 denarii. Uh, denarii, One denarii is a a day's wage for for a laborer. 300 denarii or over that is basically 10 to 11 months salary. So you're looking at a year's salary. So imagine what your family makes in a year, pre-tax before charitable contributions, and take that sum of money and imagine that you go down... Uh, to the bank, and uh, you say, can I, can I have all that? I'm going to cash it in. The whole thing. And I'm going to give it to Jesus. Imagine uh, you take that pile of bills and you lay it on the ground and you invite all of your friends and family and neighbors to come over and watch you burn it. Okay, that's the emotional impact on those who are standing around. She just took that oil and poured it over his feet into the dirt, it's gone. What a waste. What a waste. Yesterday I read that it costs $300,000 to raise a child from zero to 17. So that doesn't include college education, okay? (laughs) Zero to 17, $300,000. The the point of the article was forget saving money for college, just get them fed, right? (laughs) 300,000 bucks. I've never known a parent yet who kept track. I've never known a parent who looked at their child and said, Hey, buddy, you've used up your quota of diapers for the month. We only budgeted so you could have four packages. You know, you're going to have to slow down. Or I'm going to have to take some of this out of your inheritance or whatever. But you're, no, I mean, parents don't keep track, do they? It's a need that the child has. And so we give because we love. And what Mary does here is purely an act of love. And I want you to notice, as she comes to Jesus, it says she breaks the neck. Okay, she breaks the bottle. The bottle would look something similar to this, or I I found a few other pictures. Maybe something like this. There's there's a pound worth, which is 12 Roman ounces, so it's a decent-sized bottle. And she breaks it. In other words, she doesn't come up to Jesus and pour an ounce or two or a drop or two and say that's probably enough and I'll keep the rest for investment purposes I gave, okay there's my 10% and let me put the rest away she just walks up to Jesus and breaks the neck of the bottle and she breaks it because she's not going to hold anything back and she pours the entire bottle on the feet of Jesus that reminds me of a variety of stories in the Bible the first one that pops into my mind is Ananias and Sapphira they sell a piece of property, they bring, bring the proceeds to the apostles and say, this is it, this is all of it. And you know, they may have given a large portion of money in absolute terms, but it meant nothing as an act of worship because the heart wasn't right, they're holding back, they weren't, they weren't giving freely, joyfully. The other story that comes to my mind is, is Abraham taking his son Isaac and laying him on the altar? Taking the knife. He puts everything on the altar. All of his hopes and dreams. The, the basis of the promises for his future. It's on an altar. And he's ready. He's, the knife is coming down. Before God stops him. He gives all. Because he trusts God so much. Mary gives all. Because she spent so much time with Jesus. At his feet. Listening to his voice. She, she loves him completely. And so this is an appropriate response. It's not recklessly extravagant. It's not waste. It's just pure and appropriate worship. For what he's about to do for her, he's going to give all. And so she just turns and says, I want to give all. That's all I have. I've saved. I've collected. Let me give all. Here we are. We're starting a new year. And I know that Jesus wants to to speak to us. Will we slow down enough to put him at the center and listen to his voice? Uh, Maybe there are things that are crowding out. Maybe we're more like Martha and we're worried and distracted about so many things, good things even, that we can't hear the voice of Jesus as he's speaking to us. Maybe you've never listened to Jesus for the first time. Maybe it is that God's calling out to you and he's saying, I want you to pay attention to Jesus. I want you to focus on Jesus for just a moment because he's given you his life. Will you reach out and say thank you for that gift? Better gift than anything else I've received at Christmas time. Thank you, God, for giving me Jesus as a payment for my sins so I can have life that lasts forever. So as we close, I'd like for us just to take some time before the Lord, and ask him, God, what is it that you are wanting to speak to me this moment and uh, maybe throughout the year? Maybe there's some rearranging that needs to be done. And then I'll close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, we confess that we are so often, like Martha, we're, we're worried and troubled about uh, so many different things. We're like the disciples. We're most concerned about making a name for ourselves, that we don't stop and slow down and just listen to the voice of Jesus. And we confess, Father, also that, that often we, life is so confusing and frustrating because uh, we're not listening. We've not placed your son, Jesus, at the very center of our lives and ordered all of life around him. I pray, Father, that you would Just bring fresh conviction and uh, the freedom that comes from that as we rearrange all of life and put Jesus first. I pray, Father, that as we do so this year, uh, that we would experience the joy of taking this wonderful gift that you have given and using it in an appropriate manner. I thank you, Father, for the, the incredible thought that you and your son want to be with us thank you for giving us Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. God bless you.